0: Hey, I'm Zach, thanks so much for checking out this week's message. I hope that it encourages you, I hope it challenges you, and I hope that it causes you to dive deeper into God's word. I also hope that you have some community around you that you can talk through some of these things with. And if you don't, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our community here at Restore, whether that's coming to one of our Sunday gatherings or coming to one of our Restore groups. Either way, we would love to see you. You can get more information about that on our website at restoreaustin.org. And I hope you enjoyed this week's video. show or one movie every day for a single year, every single day for an entire year, what would it be? Say it out loud. I want you to say it out loud. Don't be shy. Iron Man, Frazier. that's a good one. Parks and Rec, nice. One of my personal favorites. Wizard of Oz, not bad. Yeah, I like it. First First movie in color. Yeah, first movie in color, definitely. So, According to Netflix, the answer to this question for one of their users is Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Because every single day for all 365 days in 2017, one user watched Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. I think there are like seven Pirates of the Caribbean, even I don't know why they chose that one, but that was their thing. Every day, 365 days in 2017. This information comes from their yearly usage statistics that Netflix releases each January. Here's some other interesting ones. 70% of Netflix users binge watch television shows on a monthly basis, defined as averaging at least five episodes in one sitting. 70% on a monthly basis. 35% of millennials do so on a weekly basis. I'm allowed to say that because I'm a millennial. Have you ever heard of something called binge racing? This was a new term to me. I had to have it explained. It's where you watch an entire season of a show in the 24 hours immediately following its release to Netflix. Binge racing. That's an average of about 15 hours of content in the 24 hours following its release. 8.4 million people binge raced last year. 8.4 million. Collectively. Netflix users watch more than 140 million hours of Netflix per day, a little over a billion hours a week. The average Netflix user watches an hour and 33 minutes of Netflix per day. Not too bad. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I watch more than an hour and 33 (laughs) minutes of Netflix each day. But that totals 10 hours and 51 minutes a week and 568 hours a year. Think about it like this. If the average person is awake for about 17 hours a day, 16, 17 hours a day, if the average Netflix user stopped watching Netflix for an entire year, they would get back 35 full days a year to do something else. 35 days. I don't know about you, but amidst the busyness of life, I would love to have 35 extra days to do whatever I wanted, to get some work done, to spend time with family, to do something that I felt like really mattered. We're all busy, right? It's not only a reality. I think it's become like a point of pride in our society. When we ask someone we haven't seen in a while how they're doing, the answer is almost always, I'm great, super busy. I'm just super busy. I've got so much going on. And this usually leads to us trying to out-busy each other, right? Oh, you don't even understand what super busy is because I am super busy. Work, school, family, everything. It's just, it's crazy. I'm so busy. We are too busy, right? I mean, this isn't new information. We all know that. We've all been told that. Study after study has confirmed it. We're too busy. But deeper than admitting we are all too busy, I think we need to consider what exactly are we busy doing? What exactly are we busy doing? I've already mentioned Netflix. Here are a few other things we stay busy with. The average American has five social media accounts and spends around an hour and 40 minutes on those networks every day. The average American watches four and a half hours of live television each day. That is not including streaming services like Netflix, other things that I mentioned. Four and a half hours of live television the average American watches. The average American consumes media. This is defined as tablets, smartphones, personal computers, multimedia devices, video games, radio, streaming services, and televisions. The average American consumes media for 10 and a half hours each day. 10 and a half hours each day. Now don't worry. I know you're kind of shifting uncomfortably in your seats. I'm not going to tell you to give up television or your phone or music. I'm not here to make you feel embarrassed about loving Netflix. I love Netflix so much. The purpose of this message is simply to help us consider this question. Are you using your time wisely? Are you using your time wisely? William Penn famously said, time is what we want most, but what we use worst. It's What we want most, we're busy, we want more of it, but it's what we use worst. We all have a finite amount of time on this earth. We don't get to decide how much that is. We do get to decide what we do with it. For the last three weeks, we've been in this series called Immeasurably, immeasurably More. And this series is, is based on this premise that God wants immeasurably more for our lives than we could ever ask or imagine. And it comes straight out of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. Two weeks ago, when we started this series, we looked at our past and how God doesn't want to erase our past. He wants to redeem it, and he wants to use it for something. Last week, we talked about our future and how when we place our future in the hands of God, he does immeasurably more with it. This week, we're looking at our time, how God wants us to place our time in his hands and watch as he does immeasurably more with it. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, so you can go ahead and turn there or scroll there. Also, the verses will be on the screen behind me. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be starting in verse 8. It says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So this sentence, Paul is setting up this contrast he's about to go into between life in darkness and life in light. In the paragraphs leading up to this passage, Paul describes what a life of darkness looks like. Impurity, sexual immorality, greed, anger, theft, malice, bitterness, etc. All types of immorality. Darkness is found in these things. But light and a life of light is found in something completely different. Paul says, notice in verse 8, you are now light. Where? In the Lord. You are now light in the Lord. Light is found In the person of Jesus Christ. In John's account of Jesus' life, he puts it this way. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If you are a Christian in this room, you have been given the light of Jesus. It has indwelt you. It has become a part of who you are. You take it with you wherever you go. You are not only in the light, you are because of Jesus. So now that we know that we are children of light, what should we do? Paul answers it. Look at the rest of verse 8. Live as children of light. You, You are now children of light, so live as children of light. The command from Paul to the church is clear. Don't live in darkness anymore. Live as children of light. It's who you are. Start acting like it. So what does life as a child of light really look like? Paul spends the rest of this passage answering that very question. He gives us three characteristics of a child of light. And here's the incredible part. They all have to do with how we spend our time. Three characteristics for what living this life in the light is supposed to look like. And they all have to do with how we spend our time. So if you want to, I'd love for you to take these notes down, to write them down in your phone or on the uh, pamphlet in your seat. On the back, there's a note card. You can write these three things down. It really helped me as I um, dove into this this week. The first one is found in verse 11. Ephesians 5, 11, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. A child of light spends their time, number one, exposing darkness. A child of light spends their time exposing darkness. Life in the light means pursuing things that are good and right and true. It means pushing back against the darkness in our world. One of our community partners here at Restore is an organization called The Refuge. If you don't know, um, the way we do kind of missions here at our church is all through these community partnerships, working with nonprofits all over the city of Austin and all over the world to mobilize people and funding to serve people who are already doing great things. And one of those organizations that's already doing great things is The Refuge. Our friends at The Refuge provide trauma-informed, long-term restoration, shelter, and services to girls between 11 and 17 years old who have been exploited through sex trafficking. If you didn't know, for girls between 11 and 17 who have been exploited in this way, there are about 300 beds in the entire nation to care for these girls. Zero in Texas until the refuge opens up. The refuge actually became one of our community partners before we even officially started as a church. When I met Brooke, the founder and CEO of The Refuge, um, we'd only been back in Austin for a few weeks, and we were still about nine months away from Restore's grand opening right here at Fulmore. So I am at this um, church in kind of northwest Austin, and we're doing a funding, I'm doing a funding presentation. So still nine months before we launched, we were trying to raise some money to, to have the capital expenses to purchase all the things that you see around you to try to get going as a church. And so I was meeting with various groups and trying to raise money. And I was at this church, meeting with this missions committee, telling them about who we are and what we were doing and see if they might want to support it. So I'm sitting in this room and there, there are like you know eight or 10 people on the missions team and then there are four or five of us that are going in line to give presentations and kind of one after another one goes and I'm last and I'm waiting and listening to all the other ones. And second to last is Brooke Crowder. i never seen her before. I knew what she was doing. And she got up and sat down before the committee and started talking about The refuge. She talked about how these girls between 11 and 17 who get rescued from sex trafficking, not only are there basically no beds in the entire state and very few beds in the entire nation to care for them, but a lot of times they get charged with crimes. They go to juvenile jail or adult jail if they're 17. There's no place for them to go. There's nobody that's really caring for them. She told me story after story of girl that she knew that had been rescued. I mean, by the end of the presentation, I'm crying, Brooke's crying, the whole missions committee is crying, right? I mean, it was unbelievable. It was beautiful. So then I have to follow that. She sits down and I go and sit in front of the committee and I literally just said, Whatever money you have, you need to give it to Brooke and the Refuge. We'll we'll find it somewhere else, but what they are doing is unbelievable. Brooke and I exchanged information a couple weeks later, went to coffee, and now they were actually one of our very first community partners. Brooke and this incredible team at the Refuge are all about pushing back the darkness in our world, exposing the darkness some of the darkest parts of our society. They understand what it means to live as children of light. That's the first one. Children of light expose darkness. Here's the second one, verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Paul again reminds us of what this selfish life of darkness was defined by, chasing momentary pleasures, being foolish with our time, not making the most of every opportunity. But a life of light looks different. A child of light spends their time, number one, exposing darkness, and number two, making the most of every opportunity. Paul says the days are evil. Don't waste precious time. Here's the thing about, what Paul says here that I think we, we really often miss. I believe the most frequently missed opportunities in our lives come in the midst of adversity. Think about it. Painful moments are often the ones that cause us to grow the most. They're the ones that we have to rely on God. We don't have any other choice. Being a child of light means making the most of every opportunity to trust God, especially when we're walking through trials. It changes the way we see the hard things in our lives. James 1, 2, and 3 puts it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Paul rebukes drunkenness in this verse, but... I think his point is much bigger than a condemnation of alcohol abuse. He is urging us, he is pleading with us to make the most of our opportunities by trusting God and not self medicating when hard times come. I did this for years. In some of my harder times, I still do this. Some of my medications were much more self destructive than others. As a teenager, my self-medication of choice was drugs. If something was hard, I just got high and I didn't have to deal with it. As a young pastor, I self-medicated with my job. If something got hard, I just went to work. I just put my head down, I just did stuff, I just grinded it out and I didn't deal with it. Some of the ways we self-medicate are much more outside, seemingly harmful than others. But every one of them is a missed opportunity for growth because we're not trusting God anymore, right? We're trusting ourselves, We're trusting some coping strategy. When hard times inevitably become, the bottom line is this. If we self-medicate instead of trusting God, we will miss these opportunities to grow. We will burn through valuable time, precious time, that we'll never get back. So a child of light spends their time, number one, exposing darkness. Number two, making the most of every opportunity. And number three, trusting the Spirit every step of the way. And this one is really the foundation in which all the other ones are built on. Trusting the Spirit every step of the way. It's found in verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Everything else comes down to this. If you are filled with the spirit of Jesus and trust him every step of the way, you will continually find yourself making the most of opportunities and exposing the darkness in our world. You'll find yourself in that light, living as a child, of light, if you'll just trust the spirit of Jesus moment by moment, day by day. I think the way Paul describes this last characteristic is so beautiful, right? He says, trust the spirit every step of the way, right? He says, be filled with the spirit, but the way that he describes it is spending time with each other, spending time in the family of God, singing to the Lord, giving thanks to him church. He's describing church. He's describing all of us, the family of God, coming together, carrying each other's burdens, asking how we're doing and actually listening to the answer, not just talking about how busy we are. He's talking about singing, worshiping like we just did and like we'll do again in a second. Giving thanks to the Lord no matter what the circumstances we're walking through. We just sang about it. Every season you are good. On the mountain in the valley. It's church. The best way to pursue this life of light is alongside the family of God. It's arm and arm with your brothers and sisters in Christ. People who love you, encourage you, pick you up when you fall, who bring you a meal when you're sick. Who go to your kids' birthday parties with you. Nobody likes kids' birthday parties. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I went to a good one yesterday, actually. Shout out. People that love you, you know? They walk through life next to you. No matter what comes, the ups and the downs, they're there. They see you start slipping in to some dark patterns again, start, starting to self-medicate starting to not trust God with your every moment, and they say, Zach, no, come back. That's not who you are anymore, right? You're a child of the light. Live like it. The best way to pursue this life of light is alongside the family of God. Hebrews 10 depicts this beautiful picture. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. It's church. Paul says that a child of light spends their time exposing darkness, making the most of every opportunity and trusting the spirit of Jesus every step of the way. As you look at this list, I want to go back to our question from the beginning. Are you using your time wisely? Are you using your time wisely? We all have a finite amount of time on the earth. We don't get to decide how much, but we get to decide what we do with it. You may be here this morning and be thinking that you don't even have that much time left, but none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. It doesn't matter if you've got 60 minutes or 60 years left. Don't you want to spend the rest of your life in the light? Don't you want to spend the rest of your life doing something that matters? The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes says that God has written eternity on our hearts It's what we hope for. It's what we long for. Not things that fade away temporally, but things that last forever, eternally. Don't you want to do something that matters forever? Don't you want to spend your time doing things that count? Give him your time. Place your time in the hands of God, and you will watch him do immeasurably more with it than you could ever ask or imagine. Pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the truth from your word this morning. Thank you for the challenge from Paul to the church in Ephesus and to our church and to every Christian today to use our time wisely, to live as children of light. That's who you are, he says, act like it. God, I pray that we would start using our time wisely, that we would use it to expose the darkness, to make most of every opportunity, that we would trust your spirit that you have placed within us every single step of the way. God, change the way we see our everyday moments. I I don't want to self-medicate through them anymore. I don't want to just kill time. God, I want to put it in your hands and I want to watch you do immeasurably more with it I want to live as a child of the light I want my time to count use me God use us God in Jesus name we pray amen so we're going to do our time of giving just a little bit different this morning The ushers are going to come down in just a second like they normally do with some baskets. But in addition to any financial offering that you want to place in those baskets, we're going to give you the chance this morning to make a time offering to God. For all of us, myself included, there are pieces of our time that we just aren't using wisely. Things we haven't trusted God with. So here's the question. What area of time is he asking you to place in his hands so he can do immeasurably more with it? Here's some possibilities. Maybe it is your time watching Netflix. Maybe instead of an hour and a half each day, it's just an hour. You got 30 minutes to do something great. Place that in the hands of God. Maybe it's just not self-medicating every time a trial comes your way. Maybe it's removing notifications from all the apps on your phone so it's not buzzing every five minutes. You're not getting alerts about your favorite sports teams and about your social networks and about news coming in. Turn the news alerts off, my friends. You'll be so much healthier. Maybe it's an hour of TV each day. Maybe it's spending more time connecting with the family of God. Maybe here at Restore. Maybe it's jumping into one of our Restore groups, a group of people that just live life together like I just described. It's the most life-giving part of our week, hanging out with our best friends in our group. Maybe it's coming here a little early and volunteering somewhere, joining one of those teams, jumping into community that way, letting God use your time to serve his body every store. Maybe it's pushing back the darkness in our city. Jumping in with an organization like The Refuge or one of our other community partners or one of the hundreds of organizations doing great things here in Austin. Maybe it's starting your own organization. Push back the darkness in our city. Maybe it's as simple as turning off music or your podcast when you drive on the way to work or Using that time, just praying, asking God what he would have you do. Maybe God is asking for that time right before you go to bed at night or right after you wake up in the morning. I don't know about you, but I like have this thing where I just roll over and like grab my phone. You know, it's the first thing that I do. Check everything, read some stuff before I go to bed and when I wake up, that's what I'm doing. And maybe instead of that, maybe he's asking you to give him that time, those few minutes right before bed or right after you wake up. Maybe it's this, maybe it's actually using your time off from work as time off from work. Maybe it's not checking your work emails all the time, making work phone calls all the time, Quit looking at your spouses like this. It's not not healthy, okay? They're hearing it. They're hearing it. Maybe he wants you to give him that time. Use it for your family, for your loved ones, for him, spending time in his word. I don't know what it is for you, but I bet that as I mentioned some of those opportunities, God brought something to your mind, a place in your life, a piece of your time, that you're not putting in his hands. There's a note card and a pen on each of your chairs. I want you to grab them and hold them up right now. Each and every person, grab your note card, hold it up. As the band begins to play, Grab that pen, grab that note card, write down that time offering to God. Place that piece of time back in his hands, and then in a few minutes, when the offering baskets come by, just drop it in there. It's symbolic, yeah, but it matters. It's you saying, God, that's not mine anymore, that's yours. You do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine.